You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So since I knew we were going to have some college students here with us today, I had to think back a little bit to uh, my college experience. And then I thought, well, I need to keep this PG. This is a family synagogue. So I thought about exam time, and I thought about writing papers, and it's a phenomenon that happened to me in college. It also happened to me in high school, still happens to me even today, is that I loathe the sight of a blank document on Microsoft Word. Staring at that stark white screen with that cursor mocking me, saying, why aren't you starting yet? 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 Right? And I wonder how many of us also had that experience staring at that uh, white screen, nervous, uncomfortable, paralyzed even, about how to begin. And I think one of the reasons that so many of us experience that is that whether we'd like to admit it, and there are varying degrees of this, but on some level or another, many of us want that opening sentence and all of the words that come after to be just the right words. Right? We want perfection from the get-go. We want to open up that essay, open up that paper, and for it to be an A-plus paper right off the bat. And we know that once we start putting words on the page, they're not going to be perfect words. They're not going to be exactly the words we want to say. And we'll either inevitably have to go back and delete them, or spend time crafting them, or we're going to turn in an imperfect paper and not get maybe a perfect grade. This is the drama of perfection that so many of us wrestle with in our lives, and there are so many other areas in which this appears for many of us. It might happen in our relationships, or maybe even our lack thereof in relationships. A desire to serial date because we can't yet find the perfect partner. If you ever watch Seinfeld, that's an example of this, right? There's always something just off about the next person. And in real life, there may be more than one thing that's not quite perfect about everybody because we're, after all, human beings and not perfect. But yet, so many of us wrestle with this in our personal lives because we keep on yearning that maybe the next one will be the perfect match, the perfect partner. If you are a little bit later on in your life, you might struggle with when you should get married or start a family, and you say to yourself, well, I need to get myself established first. I need to have the right amount of money and the right kind of job and the right kind of car and the right kind of house, and only after I get all of those pieces in place, only after my life is designed with a degree of perfection, then it's going to be time to get started with starting my family. And many people do this with with starting a family, too, starting children. They say, I don't yet know how to be a parent, or this is the way I was, I know how to be a parent perfectly before I have children. (laughs) So we delay, we push off, we in some senses are paralyzed from taking that next step in our lives because we know somewhere
quite get it exactly right. And so many of us say, if I'm not going to be able to get it exactly right, then I might as well not try at all. I was thinking about that phenomenon as I was studying a piece of uh, Talmud earlier this week. It's the very first discussion in the very first page of the Talmud, Tractate Brachot, the tractate of Talmud that deals with uh, the laws of prayer and, and, uh, and related phenomena. And in that tractate, it opens with a discussion of when you say, what's the earliest time one can say the Shema in the evening? And the first opinion there is of a guy named Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, Meaning, the earliest time one can say Shema in the evening, this is a deep dive, I need you guys to stay with me for a second, okay? The earliest time you can say Shema in the evening is from the time that the priests could enter into the holy precinct of the temple to eat their truma, which is their portion of the sacrifices that every priest was entitled to. And then the latter part of that is until the end of the first watch. Now, if you'll notice something about both of those passages, both of those opinions of Rabbi Eliezer, both the beginning time and the end time, neither of them are actually what? Times, right? That's strange. The Talmud asked the question, when's the earliest time you could say Shema? You would think that the first opinion would be 9 o'clock, right? But that's not what it says. It says, from the time that the priest entered to eat the truma. So the Talmud goes into a debate, into a conversation about why Rabbi Eliezer started with this. What did he mean? And the first thing he says, okay, so what exactly does it mean that the time that the priest entered to eat their due, their part of the sacrifices? And the answer that the Talmud gives is sunset. Why sunset? Because priests had to eat their sacrifices to the degree of purity. And in ancient Judaism, there were all sorts of things that could render you impure. If you came into contact with a corpse, or you had some kind of nocturnal emission, or you had touched somebody who was uh, menstruating, there's, like, there's all sorts of things that would render you impure, and you could not eat the truma until you were pure. Now, purity has three steps. The first step is going to the mikvah, immersing in water. We're not going to unpack exactly why these are the steps, okay? I'm just going to lay them out. The first step is that you immerse in water. The second step is, according to the Talmud, biyat hashemesh, which means sunset. The third is a sacrifice. You have to offer a sacrifice because maybe you inadvertently, accidentally did something in the temple that you shouldn't have done when you were impure, or you passed on your impurity to somebody else, even if you didn't know it. So you're supposed to give a sacrifice to atone for the sins that you may or may not have committed when you were impure. And then the Talmud asks, okay, so we know that the earliest time to say Shema, the time when the priests could eat, enter to eat their truma, is sunset. So why couldn't Rabbi Eliezer just have said sunset? And instead he says, 
When the priests enter to eat their truma, because, says the Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer is teaching us a backhanded lesson. The time of the day prevents a priest from eating the truma, from eating their part of the sacrifice. They have to go to the mikvah, and they have to wait for a certain time of day. But their own sacrifice, their own sense of personal fulfillment, completion, getting right with God and with other people, in other words, perfection, does not prevent them from eating their portion of the sacrifice. In the Talmud's words, kapara lo me'akava. Atonement does not prevent the priest from eating his sacrifice. In other words, the lesson for the priest is the same lesson for us. Perfection, the illusion of perfection, the illusion of wholeness, should not hold us back from taking that next step in our lives, from taking that sacrifice that is due to us, that job that is due to us, that grade in school that is due to us, that relationship that is due to us, those children, that family, that household that is due to us. Perfection does not need to hold us back. The Talmud is giving us permission to say, it is okay to be imperfect and to not let a drive for perfection get in the way of our dreams. My uh, teacher, Rabbi Elliot Dorf, always put it this way, in a statement I love and I want to gift you, and I'm sure maybe some of you have heard this as well. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And so many of us, so often in our lives, let the perfect become the enemy of the good, or the good enough. Because we strive for that ideal picture, but we don't live in an ideal world. We live in a real world with real lives and real fallacies and real foibles and real people we're interacting with. There isn't really an ideal world. There's just the pursuit of the good. That's why the founders of America were so wise in framing the Constitution. They said, we the people, in order to create a more perfect union. They didn't say, we the people, in order to create a perfect union. We the people in order to create a more perfect union. We're constantly striving toward a higher ideal, but we're not going to let that high ideal get in the way of our progress. And I'll conclude with a quote that I heard today from General Patton, the storied World War II general. He's reported to have said, give me any day an imperfect plan executed vigorously than a perfect plan. And so too in our lives. An imperfect plan, an imperfect step forward, when done with conviction and integrity, trumps any day staring at that white page, hoping for a perfect essence.